Well, good morning, church. I was telling the Bible class earlier, it feels like it's been like several weeks since I've been here. We had the uh, walk last weekend, and I know that several of the men uh, in the room were on that walk, and uh, what an incredible time and experience that was. And then I got back in this week and, and uh, literally had a, 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 an infection, uh, kind of an upper respiratory infection this entire week. You can probably hear it in my voice. I haven't got quite at all back yet. <clears throat> but anyway, I say all that to say that I'm so excited to be with you guys. I'm glad to be here on this, this Lord's Day. And I, genuinely, I look out and I see my church family and I've missed you guys. So I'm glad to be back and here with you guys this morning. Amen? So um, last week, before... Uh, I went on the walk. This was probably a good two weeks ago. I had a completely different idea for the sermon for this morning. And, uh, you know, I, it was kind of one of those things where I had worked ahead and I kind of thought I had it in the bag or whatever. And, man, I've learned with the Lord, don't ever do that. Because if you feel like you've got it buttoned up or whatever, the Lord's going to throw a monkey wrench into your plans and do something else. Um, because I was at the walk this weekend, and for those of you who have, you know, ever been on the walk, it's just a, man, it's, the, it's just a place to get away with God, like, for the whole weekend, and so there I was, I was with the Holy Spirit, I was able to spend a lot of 95.5 time with, with Him um, in between sessions, and um, it, was, it was in that quiet time that I kept on hearing a, 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 a different message that I was supposed to talk about for Sunday morning, and and it was one of those where I was like, Lord, are you, am I really hearing you on this one? Because right? I really, really kind of don't want to go there, but, but if it's something that you want to do, then okay, right? And so I kept hearing this theme over and over and over and over again. And so I realized that it was something I was supposed to do. So I want to give a, a disclaimer this morning. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever given a disclaimer in a sermon ever, Craig. Not one time. But I'm, I'm going to give a disclaimer, and here it is. It's really simple. There is a possibility that you will not agree with one or more conclusions that I share with you in this sermon. And that's okay. <laughs> okay? Um, there are things that, that I, have, I have researched and I have discovered. There are things that I have experienced over the last 20 years um, that has you know, kind of given me a, a different take on a few things. So um, the disclaimer is you don't have to agree with what I say. But my request is, is that you at least hear it out and pray about it. Is that fair enough? Okay, all right. Um, the theme that I kept hearing over and over again this last weekend was the theme of light versus darkness. Light versus darkness. And there was two passages of Scripture that kept ringing in my head, and, and I, I didn't realize what the Lord was trying to show me until I went back and looked at them. In Genesis chapter 1, you know the passage very well. This is where God creates the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis chapter 1, um, it, it says, In the beginning God created the, the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So in the beginning, the, the Bible says that there was what? There was darkness, right? Now, it doesn't say who created the darkness, but we know God created it. But, but I'm just saying from a literary perspective, when you open up the very beginning words of Genesis chapter 1, the very first thing that you see is darkness, right? 
And then what does God do? The very first thing God says, He says, let there be what? Light. And God speaks light into that darkness. Now, I was thinking about that for several hours. And then I remember hearing one of the, the guys get up and he was speaking on some things. And he was talking about John 1.1. 1, 1. And I was listening to John 1.1 1, 1 in my head and it was reverberating with what I had already read in my reading with Genesis chapter uh, chapter 1. If you remember John chapter 1, the first book of the Old Testament talks about light and dark. But interestingly enough, also the first book of the New Testament also talks about this difference between the dark and the light. John chapter 1 starts off like this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was, again, here it is, the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So John picks up on this theme. And if you read the entire Gospel of John, he talks a lot about the difference between light versus darkness, the struggle between light versus darkness. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And, and, and how did God um, create the heavens and the earth? By His Word, right? When you go back to Genesis chapter 1, He speaks it into existence. He speaks the Word. He says, let there be light. Well, John is saying Jesus was there. He was the one that made that happen. God said it, and Jesus through the Spirit did it. And then John goes on to say that Jesus is life, and then he says Jesus is what? He is light. He's light. He's the light that shines into the darkness. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 10 goes on to say, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. I want you to notice what John's doing. He's borrowing this imagery from Genesis chapter 1. He's locating the Son of God at the very moment of creation. And just like in a physical sense, it began with darkness and God interjected His light into the equation and created the heavens and the earth, so too, in a spiritual sense, when Jesus arrived on the scene, what did He find? Nothing but spiritual darkness. And Jesus was also, again, the light that shined into the darkness. So just as Jesus created the heavens and the earth through the Word and through His light, so too now Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is recreating His creation through His Word and through His light. Do you see the parallels? It's almost like when you have Genesis and John together, you can hear the echoes going between the Scriptures and revealing to us a lot of things about, about Jesus and about the battle between light and darkness. Now, I bring all this up this morning because one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we live our Christian life is that you and I have been caught up in a cosmic battle that we did not start and that you and I this morning as we sit here in these pews, we find ourselves in the midst of a spiritual warfare that is raging all around us. And whether you know it or not, or whether you're willing to accept it or not, the truth is, is that you right now are behind enemy lines. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to destroy you. The Bible talks a lot about spiritual warfare. And this is one of the reasons why I talk so much about having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things that I learned in the time that, that uh, after Caleb's accident and, and, and as God started showing us things, 
is that if you don't have the light of Jesus Christ, if you don't have the light of the Holy Spirit inside of you, then I promise you, you're still walking in darkness. And if you can't see, like what happens when you wake up in the middle of the night and you decide, you know, I really don't want to turn on the light? Who's done it? I know I have, right? You, you stumble over things. You fall over things on your way to wherever it is that you're going. Well, guess what? Spiritually speaking, that's what it says. Without the light of Jesus Christ, you're in the dark and you can't see what's ahead of you. And the reality of what I've learned over the years, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, is that the enemy has laid landmines, he's put traps in place, he's put people in place, things in place, events and circumstances that he's already planning. And if you are not walking in the light of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you're going to trip up on every single one of them. That is not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is to see with the light of heaven and to see the warfare and know how to deal with it. The Bible tells us from cover to cover that there is an epic battle being waged. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about this being that you and I call Satan, but what the Bible does reveal to us tells us quite a bit about him. We know from the Scriptures that sometime in eons past, we don't know when it was, maybe it was before the Garden of Eden or whatnot, but some point, at some point a long time ago, there was a very powerful angel probably one of the big four that covered the throne of God. And he decided that he wanted to be in the place of God and he wanted to, to, he wanted to lift himself up and be worshipped. He did not want uh, um, mankind to be over him because God said he created men uh, to be rulers over the angels in the, in the life to come. He didn't want none of that. And so he rebelled against God. And apparently the, the message that he was preaching up there when he was trying to rally his troops to his cause caused at least one-third of all the angels to fall with him. Do you understand this? So we call him Lucifer. That's not his name. We call him Satan. That's really not a name either. That's kind of more like a title. But really how the, the Bible describes him, he describes him like a dragon, like a beast, like a lion seeking somebody whom he may devour. He's not your friend. Do you hear me? John chapter 12, verse 31. Satan is called the ruler of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. You got to understand what happened. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, we handed Satan our birthright. You understand? We gave it to him. We were the ones that were supposed to rule and reign with God upon the earth, but we handed that over to, to Satan. He usurped that authority. So from that day forward, he has become the ruler of this world. Let me read you this scripture. Matthew chapter 4. I actually won't read it. I'll just tell it to you because you guys know it so well. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, right? Remember what one of the temptations was that he offered Jesus? Basically, it was a, short, a, short, um, a shortcut. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, every one of them, if you do what? If you bow down and you worship me. Now, listen, he didn't make that promise because it was an empty promise. Satan made that promise because he literally owns all the nations and the kingdoms of the world. In fact, in the book of Revelation, when you, when you see the beast arising from the abyss, when Daniel, when you guys have been in the Daniel class, we've talked about it in the book of Daniel, when you see the last day's image of the beast arising from the abyss, what is the picture that you see? You see Satan in this composite beast image, and it's representative of all the kingdoms and the nations of the world that he's had influence and power over all the way since the very beginning. Let's talk about his power for a little bit. We've already looked at some of the imagery that John uses over in John 1 where he talks about the darkness and the light. 
And have you ever wondered, how does that happen? In, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it tells us that outside of the light of Christ, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Now, I've had a hard time. I've heard it a million times as a preacher, but sometimes people say the devil made me do it. You ever heard that? The devil made me do it? Let me tell you something. He did not make you do anything. But what he did do is he put an offer in front of you that you couldn't resist. Why? Because the Bible says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. Right? And lust, when it's fully conceived, brings forth death, brings forth hell. But, but going back to this, this power that he has, I remember there's a, a, many times over the years that I've talked to Christians, they had this idea that almost like Satan and God are equals. Right? God is everywhere and so is Satan. You know, God is everywhere and so are demons. They're just all over the place. And that's actually not the way that it is. Remember, God is all-powerful, right? God's all-powerful. He's the one that created the angels. We're talking about one angel. Now, he's a very powerful angel. Don't get me wrong. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of influence. And he's got a third of the angels under him that he has highly organized and placed in a hierarchical structure. You see this in the book of Daniel. We'll get into it in Daniel chapter 10 next week. But you see a hierarchy that Satan has put in place. And what does Satan do? Well, I promise you, Satan's probably not the one who's knocking on your specific door, but some of his emissaries are. Some of those who are doing his bidding are. Some of those that we call fallen angels or demons absolutely are. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. How has he darkened the minds of people in this world? He's darkened them through um, the ideals, the opinions, the news, the goals, the hopes, the histories, and the views of the majority of people that live upon this earth have been influenced by the God of this age known as Satan. Paul reminds his readers over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says that ultimately our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whether we know it or not, the Bible is clear that above us, literally in the air, over certain territories, there are very powerful fallen beings that influence, if you will, the people and the nations that, that they fall under. Does that make sense? Um, John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus said this. I want to circle back to what Jesus said in the, in the Gospel of John. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Light and dark. Light and dark. Every one of us has a story where he found us in the darkness, right? Every one of you, he found you in the darkness. I don't know what that darkness was. It might have been the darkness of your addiction. It might be the darkness of your past, your marriage, whatever it was. He found you in the darkness, and he's shown his light inside of your life, right? And would you agree with me that the Christian life, the journey that you and I live from this day forward, is really just learning how to live and walk in that light, walk out of the darkness, make sure I don't go back into the darkness, make sure I don't dab in my toes back into the darkness, Right? I will tell you guys, there was once a time in my life where I was very much in the darkness. I want to share a part of my testimony that I've never shared publicly ever. I, I, honestly, I haven't. This is a part of my testimony I've kept secret, and I haven't shared it with a single soul until this day. 
but I feel like I'm supposed to. Um, when I was six years old, and I was living in the, the poverty and the addiction and the turmoil and the chaos of, of my mother and my father and my uncle and just all of that chaotic stuff that was going on, when I was six years old, I saw my very first demon. I didn't know what it was at the time. You know, the, the grandparents patted me on the head and said, you know, don't worry about that. I, there's, there's nothing to it. They thought it was my imagination. I didn't really realize it at the time, but that was only going to be the first of many more times in my future where, for whatever reason, I was going to have the ability to see demons, to see the demonic. And I remember uh, by the time I was 14 years old, I became a Christian that year, but, but before that time, I was really, really into the occult. I was into the new age, if you will, and I experimented with everything. I loved to get spell books and try to cast spells. I uh, played with witchcraft, and I did ceremonies. I messed around sometimes with what they called black magic, and then when I felt like that was probably not a good thing, I converted over to white magic, which there is no such thing, by the way. I played with Ouija boards. I tried contacting the dead. I went to psychics. I was really into tarot cards. I read horoscopes every single week. I believed that crystals, if I wore them and had certain types of crystals on my body, it would ward off evil spirits or maybe perhaps bring good luck. I remember I was really into a lot of other dark stuff at the time, too. I was very heavily in my addiction, which I won't talk about publicly, but if you ask me privately, I'll tell you all about it. I was really into to heavy metal. You, you guys probably can't see it, man, but I, I, I was doing the goth look, you know, with the black and the leather, and the, I tried to grow the hair. My, my hair doesn't grow down, it grows out. So I didn't do the long hair. But, um, man, I was into death metal. I was really into that death metal. You know the stuff where all they do is scream all the time? I was really into that stuff, man. I loved horror movies. And I remember... Um, while most of my friends were wanting to be doctors and, and dentists, I went through a season of my life in my early teen years where I wanted to be an FX makeup artist. You know what that is, right? I watched all the horror movies, and some of my favorite horror movies were the big zombie movies, where, and I'm not going to describe it, but just think blood and guts, right? Blood and guts, okay? Well, I wanted to be the makeup guy that knew how to do that. And so I remember my favorite, favorite holiday every single year was Halloween because I loved the darkness. I loved the dark stuff. I love the, the feeling of fear that, that it gave you. It was almost like a, 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 almost like a little bit of a high, if you will, to, to feel that kind of fear. And one of the reasons why I loved it so much is because it allowed me the opportunity to do the makeup for all of my brothers, I mean, all of my brothers and my cousins. And I would, you know, it, it, the more grotesque, the better. The more disturbed, the better. And until this day, looking back, I believe that it was because of all of that stuff that I was interested in, all that stuff that I allowed myself to become fascinated with, that I had a very memorable, particular encounter with a very powerful demon at the age of 14. I'll tell you the story. I was um, in my room. I was sleeping. I was not sleeping yet. I was laying down about to go to sleep. And I had a TV on, and I remember uh, I had the blankets kind of pulled up to my cheek, and I was just looking at the TV. And where I was positioned, I didn't have a door to my room, so my room was adjacent to my great-grandmother's room. So from, from where I was laying, I could look right through the threshold into her room, and at the very back end of her room was a hallway right here, and the door was open. 
So what I'm trying to say is, from where I was laying, I could see all the way through her room and into the hallway. Lights were out. The only light that was on was my TV and the light that was on in the kitchen, which was behind the hallway. And as I'm sitting there and as I'm, I'm, I'm just watching TV and getting ready to go to sleep, out of the corner of my eye, I see this black figure, um, probably eight, seven foot tall, something. It had to stoop. I remember specifically it had to stoop to come inside the doorway. It looked like it was blacker than black. I can't describe it to you, except that if you were imagining yourself in a dark room where there's no light, imagine seeing something in front of you that's even darker than that. It's a darkness that can be felt. And I knew when this thing entered the doorway, I knew automatically that it was an evil presence. I immediately felt fear. I felt a sense of dread. I felt like something bad was about to happen. And I was shaking in fear. And I watched it as it leaned inside the doorway and it looked toward my great-grandmother. It stopped and it stared toward me. And then it leaned back out the doorway and it turned and leaned into my grandmother's room. Now, I was a karate guy back then and I had a pair of nunchucks on my nightstand. I thought it was an intruder. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, it's just me. It's just me, my grandma and great-grandma here. I'm the man of the house. I've got to do that. I was pumping myself up on the inside. And I was like, okay, one, two, three. And I grabbed them and I started running through the hallway, ah, screaming and yelling, flipping those nunchucks around like I was going to do something. I don't know. I turned around. It's gone. It's gone. The next morning I was talking to my grandmother about it and she told me and she said, you know, that's really odd because the night before when I was in bed, I thought that my mother had got up and gone to the restroom and I saw this dark figure with this long, shadowy-looking robe. She described the exact same thing that I had seen. Now, I thought I was crazy. That's not one of those stories you go to church and tell on Sunday morning, right? But I figured it's Halloween. Why not tell a good ghost story, huh? So I didn't think nothing about it. And honestly, I kind of forgot about it until many, many, many years later. I was 21 years old just gotten married to my wife, and I was sitting there, and I was listening to this radio show. I don't remember what it was, but for some reason, they were talking about people who had seen demons in their lives. And when they described these beings, they described them exactly the way that I had seen that one, especially that one when I was 14 years old. It scared me out of my mind. And so let me tell you something I did. I want to get too deep into the story, but, but I was so interested in what happened. I decided to, to get on the web. Now, in 2001, it doesn't seem like that was that long ago, but the Internet was still kind of new back then. There wasn't a whole lot on the Internet about demons and about shadow, what they call shadow people, if you ever heard that term. Um, so I built a website called The Hatman Project, the only website still to this day that's devoted to people who have seen this particular being. And let me tell you something. After I built that website... Hundreds of stories started pouring in. Hundreds of stories. I can't tell you how many, a couple of thousand stories at least that I've read that have come through the website, come through emails, come through all these different types of things. Now, why do I bring all that up, man? I say this, over the years, after I became a Christian, and as I started to get to know God, and especially later on when I started to, to get to know the Holy Spirit, Things started to change. I started to change. Things that I used to care for and that I used to have investment in, things that used to give me joy and things that used to interest me started to fall off 
a little here, a little there, a little more, and a little more. And it, you know, it took me a while, but, but honestly, there was a time where I wanted to keep messing with the occult a little bit because I found it to be so interesting. But over time, as I kept walking with the Lord, as I kept understanding that the beings that I was seeing was actually demonic beings, which, by the way, they about destroyed my life after I saw that one. I'm not going to get into it this morning, but from the age of 15, 16, and 17, and 18, there is, I'm shocked as to why I'm still with you all today. Because now I know what demons do in people's lives, and he was taking me down a very dark path in my own personal life. But that's a story for another day. Um, but it took me a while, but eventually I stopped being interested in the occult. Um, eventually, um, horror movies, I didn't have a taste for them anymore. I think the very last horror movie I ever watched was The Ring. And, and I only watched it because everybody was talking about it. And, and when I watched it, I didn't really want to. And when I did, it disturbed me on the inside. I actually felt sick to my stomach. And I realized that I was done with horror movies. I let go of, you know, heavy metal music and all those types of things. And, uh, and let me tell you this really quick, just kind of a side note. That website that I built, the Hatman Project, God actually wound up turning that into a deliverance ministry. I don't talk about it often. Thank you. I, but let, me, let me share you through what happened. So what happened is over time, these people would, would contact me and they'd say, hey, listen, uh, there's this being in my house and I don't know what to do. Well, guess what? That allowed me the opportunity to start addressing people. I have, a conversa I have conversations weekly with people that honestly would otherwise never give me the time of day because of that website. But I've been able to share, people, uh, share with people about demonic warfare, how to get rid of demons in their life. I've been able to cast out demons out of people's hearts and lives. Um, there's actually a book that I'm writing right now uh, on my free time um, called The Hat Man Revealed. And, and it's all about showing people how to understand this experience that they're having. And guess what? By the time they get to the very end of the book, they get to know about Jesus Christ. Okay? So I'm, I'm really interested about all that, and, I, and I'm, I'm thankful for what God has been doing. But let me tell you one I still struggle with, and that's Halloween. I'll be honest, I really struggle with Halloween because, like I said a minute ago, um, Man, I used to be so into it, man. I was into the zombies and the ghosts and the vampires and the witches and the werewolves. I was totally into all that. But like I said earlier, I'm changing. And I would say for the, the last five years or so, you know, ever since Tiffany and I started having more experiences with the Holy Spirit and as we were having more demonic encounters, and um, I remember uh, my wife and I had this opportunity to... Um, there was a woman about three years ago, and, and I was trying to see if she would actually make a video. I wanted to share her testimony with you, but I'm just going to share this very, very briefly. Um, but she had made a blood covenant with the devil on Halloween night, like 40 years earlier. And she was assigned a demon, just like the one that I had seen in my, in my life. And he wreaked havoc in her life for 40 years. And um, no, by no pat on any of our backs, Tiffany and I got to know this lady. She got to know some of the stuff that we had talked about, spiritual warfare, and um, I think it was on uh, Passover, or I can't remember what, or Good Friday, I think it was. Uh, we prayed over her, and that thing manifested itself. And it was scary. Uh, it, was, it was scary. But it came out of her, and I will tell you to this day, she carries the joy of the Lord like she's never experienced. So I say all that to say that my views... Tiffany and I's views have started to change a little bit, even about Halloween. I remember I went through a, a time period where I was like, well, you know, you know on, the, on the Christian calendar, it's all Hallow's Eve, right? Later on, the, it was made into a different holiday, and, um, and so I, I kind of had the, the feeling of, well, maybe we can Christianize it like that. 
And, and listen, if that's, if, that's, if that's your opinion, fine. I'm not here to try to change you. I'm just sharing some of me today, okay? I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, but, but I knew, man, because I messed with the occult. I knew because of the spell books that I messed with. I knew the reason why Pope Gregory III a long time ago uh, slapped a Christian label on that thing because the big holiday that had been celebrated for hundreds, if not thousands of years before that, was a Celtic holiday called Samhain. Samhain is, is the English way of saying it, but Samhain. And, and if, if you go back and you look at what our ancestors believed, the Irish and the Celts and the, the Scots, they, they, they freaked out every October 31st because they thought that this was the night that the veil between the dark and the light was the thinnest and they believed that your dead loved ones could come back and visit you. They believed that demons would wreak havoc. They believed that demons and witches and goblins would play tricks on you or even put curses on you. And so one of the things that they would do is they would put treats outside for an offering to these spirits and ghosts, and they would put masks and costumes on, and they would walk around town. Why? Because they thought that if they could make themselves look like ghosts and goblins and zombies, it would scare away all the real ones, and they wouldn't have to deal with any of it. See, I know these things because this is what the books taught me in the occult. So I remember a long time ago, it would tell you in the book that if you want to say this incantation or if you want to do this divination and try to find out the future, do it on October 31st. I mean, I, I, guys, I was Wicca way before Wicca was cool. <laughs> okay? And they would even tell you that that was the one night, the one night. Now, how they believed that this could happen, I don't know. But that was the one night that you could personally ask Satan for help when it comes to doing your rituals. I messed with that stuff, guys. Played with it. And I got burned by it. So here's the thing. Um, my position, and I know that you didn't ask me for this, and I know that we have different views on this, but uh, if I'm honest with you, every year, more and more and more, I'm starting to feel peer pressure by my believing brothers and sisters. Because I don't have it in my heart anymore to celebrate Halloween. And, 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 and it's just me. It's just, and again, I'm not, this is not about Tim Brown. It's just I don't have it in my heart anymore to, to celebrate and participate in things that I feel like fit more into the category of darkness than into that category of light. Um, this will probably be our last year that we'll do anything with it. And we're, my, my wife and I are, um, my wife and I are, are looking at alternatives. Um, how many of you know about Sukkot? Sukkot is the biblical feast, the fall festival that celebrates the return of Jesus Christ. Um, that's the one I, I'd like to look more into. I just don't know how to celebrate it. So maybe my Jewish brother back here could help me out. You know, I don't know. He can help me out a little bit. Here's the thing. Now, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, you may not agree with everything that I've said. And what did I say? That's okay. That's okay. Just pray about it. But here's something I want to share with you that I think every single person in this room can agree with this morning. Regardless if you agree with me about Halloween or the darkness or whatever, let me say this. The darkness that God cares about most is the darkness you allow to live on the inside of you that you're not willing to bring to the light. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 12 says this, And do this, understanding the present time, 
The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You know, when I think about that, here's the way I think about it. Everything that was in that dark world that Jesus came into all those many years ago, He's that light that shines into that darkness. All that stuff, all my sin, all that stuff from my past, all that is like the night going away. It's like sundown. But over here, Jesus Christ is rising up. And everything that pertains to Him is what I want to have in my life. Amen? So for me personally... I used to mess around with the darkness and witchcraft. Let me tell you something. If you're messing around with that stuff, I'm going to tell you right now. If you're screwing around with Ouija boards and crystals and psychic and witchcraft, if you just have an unusual fascination with death, I'm going to tell you right now, those are open doorways for the demonic to come into your life. And I'm not saying that Christians can be possessed, but I will say that Christians can absolutely be harassed. And they can absolutely inject their evil thoughts and feelings and intentions into your own thoughts and feelings and intentions. And they can take a pathway that you're going off and they can derail you completely if you let them in. So if you're messing around with the occult, I'm going to tell you right now, get out of it. 100% get out of it, renounce it in the name of Christ. Now listen, if you choose choose to, um, to celebrate Halloween, here's the only thing I recommend. Glorify Jesus Christ. Find some way to glorify Jesus Christ. I don't care what you do, but if you're going to celebrate that night, be the light that shines in that darkness. Amen? Be the light that shines in that darkness. If you, and even more than that, listen to this. If you've got darkness in your heart, if you've got darkness in your life, get rid of that too. Because those things are also just as equally as bad as open doors to allow demonic influences in your life. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Guys, 67% of Christian men have a problem with habitual porn every single month. Every single month. Let me read this again. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, coarse joking. Well, guys, you know, it's just, we're just shooting the breeze around the cooler, around the lot. It's just locker room talk, right, guys? No. Which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral or impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And let nobody deceive you with empty words because it's because of these things that God's wrath is coming upon those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Watch this, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. I was talking to somebody whom I, I highly, highly, highly respect at the walk. His name is Robert. Robert Spate. Some of you know him. And, uh, and I had had like, David, I think you said whenever you hear something more than twice, you're starting to realize that might be God's fingerprints. I heard the theme of light versus dark seven times this weekend. Seven times this weekend. 
And, and I was kind of struggling with some of the stuff I wanted to say. And, 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 um, and in my heart, I was thinking, well, maybe there's kind of like a gray area when it comes to certain things or blah, 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 blah. It was whatever in my head. And I kid you not, the very next words out of this man's mouth, he said this. And I, Robert, if you ever watch this, I promise I'm doing my best to quote you, but I'm probably going to mess it up. But it was along these lines. He said this. He said, we tend to think in terms of black and white, and there's this gray area in the middle, right? Where we don't really know if it's right or wrong, but, but it's kind of a gray area. And I never will forget what he said. The devil owns the gray area too. The devil owns the gray area too. And I got to thinking about that, and that's so true, because you know the Bible says that we were once darkness, but now we are children of light. The problem is that sometimes, like kids, we like to go back and play in the dark again, don't we? You know, we say, you know, I, I, can, I can mess around with the occult a little bit. It's not going to harm me. I don't really believe in that stuff, so it doesn't matter if I, if, I, if I get really into that kind of stuff when it comes to my movies or my music or whatever I do. Or I can watch this movie or that movie because, after all, I'm mature. I can see that nude scene. It's not going to bother me one bit, right? I don't have to do that. I don't have to cover my eyes. I'm mature. I'm an adult. I can sit around and, you know, I can take that drink. I can smoke that weed. After all, it's legal. Here, I don't know. It, it may not be. It was in other places. But, but we can do that. It's no big deal. It's, it's not a problem. I, I can look at this woman because after all, what is, what's the old saying? Look, but don't. Oh, y'all have heard that one too. I can have sex with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I can, get, I can go live together and, and, and pretend like we're being married and be okay with it because after all, Christians think that's okay too now, don't they? A lot of times we flirt with sin. We dabble with sin. We keep sin around like a pet. And we say, they're all wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I agree. That's wrong. But this one, eh. it's in the gray area. Let me tell you something. The devil owns the gray area. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, Abstain from every appearance of evil. Every appearance of evil. As we close, I want to read one more passage. 1 John 1, 5-9. This is the message that we've heard from Him and declare to you that God is light. And in Him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. So let me ask you a question before we close. Is there any darkness in your life? Any. Any darkness. I'm not just talking about the occult. I'm talking about some of those sins that we talked about a moment ago. Is there any darkness inside of you is there a sin that needs to be forgiven is there something inside of you right now that the spirit is convicting you of and says you know what i need to change this i need to bring it to the light verse 8 goes on to say if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness the question is not whether or not you have darkness inside of you this morning the question is what are you going to do with it you can do one of two things you can hide 
and you can keep it in the dark now. But one day, when the judge returns, it's going to be brought out into the light anyway. And I'll tell you this, when he brings those things out into the light, I want to make sure that I've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ first before it's declared openly, don't you? Or secondly, you can go ahead and take care of it right now. And that way you do not have any cause to be ashamed on that day of judgment when those things come out. If it's in the dark, bring it to the light right now as we stand and sing. Elders, if you would, come and join us on the sides for prayer.